Colin, I have a movie pitch for you. Greg, uh, uh, I'd love it, but I'm really busy today. So I, I guess you know I, what? Uh, I don't think you're oh. that busy because it comes to you in song form. No, actually, I really am. Like, Believe it, it or not, this movie's got lasers and apes. Never thought I was something I'd ever see. Flying away on a balloon and a prayer. Goodbye, Amy. Oh, yeah, we cast Tim Curry. Yeah, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the podcast where we take uh, movies that were made many years ago. We're not many years ago, but uh, that were not quite great. And we make them so great, you would want to watch them over and over and over again with your family. Uh, we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And joining us today for his third, there may be an I Have Some Notes record, third appearance of the podcast, Liam Kreswick. Hello. Liam, thank you for joining us. Thank today. you for having me. You are me. part of a very special episode today, Liam. Yes. This this is a uh, this is like our first listener request movie uh, part yeah. of show. Yeah. So uh, so we've been taking some requests uh, from you, the wonderful listeners, uh, and we put them in a poll. We put them up on the Twitter machine, and the winner was Congo. Con- what? Congo question mark? It is based on the Michael Crichton novel of the same name. Yeah. This uh, so this came out in, in uh, 1995. This was. Probably around what you'd call peak Michael Crichton. Yeah, after Jurassic Park did very well, uh, basically Hollywood scrambled to snap up as many of the Michael Crichton IPs as possible. And uh, Sphere came out around this same time and was eh. And Congo came out around this time, and oh boy, do we have some notes. <laughs> so uh, none of them were really at, none of them captured that Jurassic Park magic, no. yeah. possibly because none of them had Steven Spielberg making them. But you you never know. Yeah. Uh, I, the the internet uh, uh, the information on the internet said that uh, actually 1994 was actually the very pinnacle of Michael Crichtonness because uh, you you had you had kind of the fallout from from Jurassic Park. You had he was involved with ER. Uh, oh, yeah. And ER was the top rated show, and they also had like the number one selling book. And I don't remember which book it was. I should have written that down. I did not. This is why. Was it Andromeda Strain? It was probably uh, Andromeda Strain. No, because that was uh, <laughs> that was actually we looked this up on the way here. That was a movie in 1971. Oh, yeah. so that's a, that was yeah. like one of his first books. There you go. Uh, this movie was directed by Frank Marshall, who directed uh, Alive and Arachnophobia. Uh, also, he was actually uh, married to Kathleen Kennedy, who was uh, there. So they're big time Hollywood producers. Kathleen Kennedy now uh, is actually the chair of a little independent film studio uh, called Lucasfilm. So uh, yeah, so he so he directed. So this. she did okay. Yeah, she did, did okay. So they're doing fine. Uh, it stars uh, Laura Linney, uh, uh, our favorite Ernie Hudson, uh, Tim Curry, uh, Dylan Walsh, uh, and also has uh, some nice little cameos uh, from some other people who've been on this uh, movie. People we've seen in other movies. Uh, Joe uh, Pantolano from uh, he was obviously Cipher from the Matrix. Also in Daredevil, yep. he was uh, yeah. what's his face the Ben his, his, his second. I have some notes. Film. It's also uh, uh, Ernie Hudson's. Ernie Hudson's yes. second go around on yeah. the uh, on the podcast. I was trying to figure out where I recognize that guy from, and then when you said The Matrix and Daredevil, I was like, "Oh, yeah." Man, that's Bruce Campbell. I don't think Bruce Campbell's been on the podcast yet, but Bruce Campbell surprisingly, Campbell's on the because he is a perennial B movie actor. Yeah, 
but he makes kind of awesome B movies. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, but they're still B movies. And yeah. uh, also, Adewa- he's B movie royalty. Uh, Adewale Akinobi uh, Agbaje, who was Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, uh, uh, also also uh, in the show. Um, so this movie uh, did was very 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 much panned. It made actually a pretty good chunk of money at a budget of fifty million dollars. It made one hundred and fifty two million. It was big enough. It spawned a video game for your Sega Saturn. Oh my god! In nineteen ninety six, called uh, uh, Congo: Return to the City of Zinge. And uh, does that city explode at the end of the movie? Uh, How do you matter. return? It is a first person shooter. Too. Oh, fair enough. I, I wonder what you shoot apes with i gonna guess it's a laser <laughs> um yeah so yeah um this is uh wow so who wants to talk about this movie first oh boy Whew. there's a lot to here's the thing okay so uh i spoilers by the way by well, obviously <laughs> uh, if you if you come into this podcast at this juncture not expecting spoilers oh boy where if <laughs> Have you really been listening? You must get to the end of every podcast and be like, those fucking assholes spoiled it all again. (laughs) For all our new listeners. Um, The first act of the movie is pretty solid, honestly, I thought. Like, the the first 30 to 40 minutes as uh, we get kind of introduced to the characters and introduced to the the main thrust of the plot, which is go have a jungle adventure. Yep. Um, Right up until... Uh, right up to the point of, I'd say, the airport where they meet with Captain Monroe for the first time mm-hmm. um, is pretty good movie overall, I thought. It's got a nice clip. Like, it really, all the pieces, yeah. like, everyone's motivations are set up, like, click, click, click. Like it's it. The movie really starts falling apart when they get to the jungle, I found. Uh, the pace slows down a little too much, and there's no real antagonist. There, the stakes. I was thinking about that. Like, the who's stakes the villain are, in this movie? Yeah, the stakes are pretty low. Well, here's the thing: Tim Curry is very clearly meant to be the antagonist. Yeah, except movie. they just did it all wrong. Yeah, like he's <laughs> but he's the best part. <laughs> oh no, he's not. Um, he's he's clearly set up to be the antagonist in this movie, but he doesn't really do anything antagonistic. He's no more selfish than say uh Laura Linney. Yeah. Uh and her motivation to go Ross, Karen Ross, and yeah. her motivation to be there. Um and he doesn't like he's played mostly for comic relief. Yeah. And so he's not a very effective antagonist. And then again the the pace of the movie slows down quite a bit and then it just really falls apart in the end where it's like laser beams and yeah. ape attacks. And Tim, Tim Curry's kind of got the Newman role in, uh, in he, Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> that's what I was about to say. He, you think he's going to steal the eggs and, yeah. he, or, and screw everyone over through his hubris, but he's just as in up shit's creek like with the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of like along for the ride. He never really... Uh, when you sort of learn that he's just that he was following the ape Amy all along to get to Zinge, like it's not really, it's kind of a revelation, but mostly it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah. well. And I mean, he's effectively looking for the same thing they are, and he's not like it'll be all mine and only mine. Like when they get there, he's like, we're all rich. Everyone should be happy. Like, <laughs> grab, grab a diamond. Yeah, it's it's played very weird. And yeah, there's never been a villain who's like, "There's plenty for everyone." <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> there's plenty for everyone. Oh, that was good. Um, and he's played for laughs. Like, he's not threatening in any way. No. He's a little sinister at first, and you can be like, "There's something up with that guy." But then 
they get to the jungle and he's useless, yeah. which is doubly surprising because it's set up before that he's been in the jungle before on another expedition that was lost, admittedly. But you'd think that that would mean that he'd have a little bit more experience than obviously a fish out of water yeah. who does who knows nothing about what's going on. So his character was. I mean, it's nothing against Tim Curry, who's great yeah. in every role he's ever been in forever. Yeah. But his character is kind of like, why are you here? Yeah. yeah. It's almost like to compare him to the Wayne Knight role in Jurassic Park, it's almost like if Wayne Knight went back and was like, look, this time I won't be a piece of shit. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll play along and be cooperative. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like if, uh, if his character in Jurassic Park just accidentally uh, shut off the park through some sort of buffoonery or something <laughs> like that. But even that would have uh, have a bigger impact than, uh, yeah. than what Tim Curry had in Congo. He's superfluous to the plot, so much so he is not in the book. Yeah, well, that's not surprising. Is, the, is Joe Don Baker's character in the book? Who's that? The nefarious laser guy? He's the, uh, he's no, the not he's really. He's the owner of the, of the company that employs 40,000 people. Yet his control room is staffed by two people. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. Um... The movie actually hoves pretty close to the book, and the stuff that doesn't work in the movie, for the most part, is stuff that they changed from the book, <laughs> which made me curious about how much like executive meddling was going on in this. Like, oh, we, we want Tim Curry in this movie because we need more star power or yeah. something. And I, I could not find much in the way of executive meddling in my internet sleuthing. So I, I was a little surprised that that means that it, probably it was... The writers who were like, this book needs to be more exciting. Let's add Tim Curry to this movie and fouled it up somehow. The only thing I read, and I'm sure we all came across it, was basically that at one one point, Michael Crichton was actually directing movies. He actually had directed a couple movies. Mm -hmm. uh, And he uh, he actually originally wanted to have the uh, uh, Ernie Hudson's character played by Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. Uh, That didn't happen. And then when he was told he couldn't actually use real apes in the movie, he was like, I'm out. And that was it. And that was sort of like... So it doesn't feel like there was any sort of yeah like like tampering or or like studio pushing things around. It just I think they just, just sort of like they took the material and they ran with it and like ah let's make this let's add character. lasers yeah. yeah filming this movie with with uh, real apes would have been a hell of a job <laughs> yeah, yeah. especially wait. considering how many they cut down with lasers <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> threw into lava so the um the thing is in the book there is an antagonist because <laughs> in the book. Uh, Karen Ross is working not for a telecom company, which is a fine change. I don't mind that that change because it gives her a little more uh, pressure to go in. Um, but she's working for like a geolog- for like a private geology firm, and they are specifically looking for King Solomon's lost diamond mines. Like that's it's not just we're looking for diamonds and oh we happen to have found an ancient diamond mine. No, yeah. that's exclusively what they're looking for, and they're racing a conglomerate of other, like, European companies, like some Germans and some Japanese and some Dutch people or something, um, to to find the mine first. And so there's, there's stakes because they're racing another expedition. Okay. And then their expedition hits jungle adventure setbacks along the way, and they get there late, but when they arrive, they find that the consortium expedition has been slaughtered by, oh. by gorilla monsters. And so, like, there is an antagonist built into the novel that isn't in the movie, which seems weird because the the rival expedition adds stakes and adds an antagonist. And it's weird to me that that was what they cut and Tim Curry was who they added because Tim Curry doesn't work. Yeah, and I actually make the point about um, Tim Curry's kind of being like – 
like extra and like extra and like almost not really required, right? And I mean, and I mean, and I mean, I've been, as, as I've been thinking about this movie after watching it, feeling like the the cast is fine, but it feels like it's heavy. It feels like there's too much weight there. There's too many people here, and I've, I've been thinking. I try to like figure out like who would I cut and like who's 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 too much. Who's who's the extra person on this life raft that needs to be tossed overboard? Uh, and I ever actually, actually never thought about it, actually like. Or Tim Curry's character, just because I feel like who else is going to be yelled at for be eating this sesame cake three to four times <laughs> in the movie? Well, yeah, and I mean, again, Tim Curry is great, and he chews the scenery like any good, masterful Tim Curry performance, or at least should. he's trying to, given yeah. what he, given like, what he's got, opportunity he gets. But like, if we're talking about keeps and cuts, my top cut is Tim Curry yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I disagree because because <laughs> I want Tim Curry to be one of the major central focuses of the film. Fair enough. Um, see, whereas I, I was actually, I'm like, oh, Tim Curry. Oh, he's doing a weird, like, Romanian accent. Okay. He's doing all of the And accents. then we meet, and then we meet Ernie, uh, Ernie, Hudson? Ernie Hudson's Hudson. character, who's the coolest character. Like, one of his first lines that I wrote, I wrote down, like, this line is badass, is when he's like, you're in better hands than you have any right to be. Like, yeah, that's, that is helpful and an insult. If I'm lost in the jungle, I want Ernie Hudson as Captain Monroe to save my life. Oh, yeah. I see, see, I, see, I love it. I think what happened when, when he basically basically steals that truck yeah. and he just pulls the gun. He's like, okay, just run away now. And the guy kind of sees like, no, just just run. Just please. Like, <laughs> as, as if he was annoyed. Just be like, let's just get this over with. And I'm like, this is, yeah, this guy's great. Um, one thing I definitely did like uh, is the political turmoil in the background of the movie that provides a complication for their jungle adventure. I thought that was that I thought that was smart. Yeah. I thought that was well executed that they they show up in I don't recall what Zambia, I think. Zambia, yeah, and there's like an attempted coup literally the moment they land and suddenly it's like, "Oh crap." Like today yeah. I think they say today's a bad day to come to Africa. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was I thought that was a very nice little bit of mm-hmm. plot. Yeah, it does lead to one of the scenes that I felt like was kind of um, almost had no real purpose uh, was the scene with Cap- Captain Wanta, which was the the character played by Delroy Lindo. Um, that's the when he's eating the coffee cake. Oh, he offers him sesame cake and he says, yeah. "Have some cake." And then they're like, "Stop eating my cake!" Twice. And uh, like, I guess there was there was some sort of like bribe going on there. I guess I, I was never it really never got sh- picked up again. Yeah. That whole scene yeah. had no point. So, yeah, it was kind of, it was definitely a little frustrating. Uh, another scene, well, another thing that didn't really have any point in this movie was unfortunately Amy the gorilla, which is unfortunate because she does she is a Chekhov's gun that goes off in the book and never does in the movie because. They bring along the they bring along a talking ape to help the expedition in the movie, like it's a deliberate choice. And then at the end of the movie, when they encounter the killer gorillas, they are able to piece together enough of the gorillas, the killer gorillas' language, that Amy's able to communicate with them and get them to back off. And that's how they get the the gorillas off their back. They don't mm. laser fight them yes, to death. That's <laughs> smart. Uh, but <laughs> what? But it's it's. It allows Amy to have a payoff in the movie other than just being there, yeah. which she does in the movie. And in the book, there's there's like her plot goes somewhere and well, it and it comes to a satisfying conclusion. Well, let me ask you about the book then. What, like, what would you say is the central theme in the book? Because I think what they're going for is the central theme in the movie is sort of like a, a man messing in God's domain type thing, right? Where the like the the they make reference to 
Amy not doing well in captivity and that she they've heard of apes dying in captivity when they get um, this far as Amy has, so they need to bring her back. Uh, they also make reference to the white apes being trained uh, and bred by humans, and therefore yeah. that is why they are the monsters that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that similar to the book at all? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I kind of didn't think so. Yeah. Uh, the book, like Michael Crichton, as I understand it, his uh, motivation for writing the book was that he wanted to write a jungle adventure, like a modern take on on a like classic Lost World novel. Sure. Yeah. Um, except from his, I'm a I'm a speculative fiction hard science writer yeah. kind of point of view yeah. uh, using real scientists or pastiches of real scientists in my book so I can write about their work. In this case, a primatologist named Peter Elliot, who is literally the, uh, the same name of the same character in the book as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, there's, there's definitely some man messing with primates themes there, I'm going to say, but I don't know. I, I think that it's a more satisfying ending for a for Amy's part in the story, then her showing up with her glove and her backpack on. Who put those on her? Uh, plot hole. Yeah, they got rid of her. <laughs> they got rid of him. Right? She took it off at one point. Yeah, and uh, and then just growling at the gorillas, and they go away for a little bit, and then everybody laser fights them. Like that's yeah. <clears throat> That's that's a I, less satisfying. That's a, certainly a more explosive. I'm, ending. I'm sure the some producer somewhere read the ending to to the book and was like, "Well, that's boring." You know what that needs? That needs he's, lasers. He's like, there's, "There's no way that this the climax of Laser. this movie, movie can be sign language. That's need, not happening. La- we need lasers and a volcano erupting. <laughs> well, yeah, the volcano yeah. still goes off in the book. Oh, okay, because uh, the book ends with the city still being buried under lava destroying all evidence it, of its existence it, and the existence of the cryptids does it also end in a whole bunch of apes randomly jumping into lava <laughs> nope. like yeah like that flies was, to a or like that was to a that flame? was one of my uh, one of my notes was i'm like okay look i get that the lava is gonna kill all the apes i've seen one ape, and yes they're like cryptids they're villains they're monsters but they're also creatures living their life in the jungle and i was like you are showing me an upsetting number of gorillas dying in lava, like not just not just one or dying, two, like suicide, but gleefully jumping just in. Yeah. Like, well, I guess I can't. Yeah, it, it was everybody it was, into the pool. Woo! It was like, and this might get like a little, little grim. I don't mean it, but it was like I was genuinely upset by that part where I'm like, okay, the lava is going to kill all these gorillas. You see one or two of them fall, okay, and then you see them like basically realizing that their fate is this and they jump in and it and, and again i'm sorry i'm not trying to bring a podcast down but it genuinely reminded me of that video of the like new york uh university students taking cell phone footage of watching people jump out of the world oh. trade center and i was like no i don't want to watch this happen like let me just assume the bad thing happens you know what i mean yeah like, i don't need to see it i don't need to see it i don't yeah it was it was a bummer that was like an upsetting part of the movie, and I did not like it. It almost feels like, like, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but like, it almost feels like, like the ending is such a weird mash as compared to the rest of the film. I almost wonder whether there's a different ending for this movie somewhere, like the original somewhere in the ending, vault, and that uh, that they that they shot it, they screened it to whoever they needed to screen to, and they're just like, and and people were said, like you know what, we need more lasers. 
like this ending is kind of boring. What, what, wow, let's add some lasers and like a what? What that laser gun? Let's throw that in there and just have a big old fight. And that was the that was the thing that preceded the gorillas jumping into lava. Was the gorillas taking lasers to the chest and and. I guess Getting I guess their what, hands cut off. Yeah, their hands like 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 <laughs> like lightsabered off. And I, th- I guess that was maybe my biggest complaint with it is like I found a lot of the threats, whether it was the hippos or um, even the political turmoil. Though I did like that t- t- tilt, and then these white gorillas, they never foreshadow the threats very well. Um, and so when we meet these gor- these white gorillas that are gonna, you know, they've been bred for war and. They've now been guarding this ancient uh, uh, city for however many hundreds or thousands of years. Um, and then immediately they start lasering them down and then throwing them into lava. And I'm like, I don't – these gorillas have not posed enough of the threat yeah. throughout the movie for me to hate them enough to <laughs> want to see them take a laser to the well, face. Like I empathized with them as animals more than I did hate them as villains. Well, and it's funny too because like – like I feel, I feel like if you if you'd not seen the entire movie except for the end, you would have thought that the movie preceding would have been kind of like an aliens movie. Yeah, where yeah. like they like they're always being hunted and the apes are always there and this is the final their comeuppance. But like you see the you kind of get a glimpse of these creatures in the first what five minutes of the movie. Yeah, then you don't see or hear from them again until like the last ten until minutes. Like the, yeah, until the third yeah. act. There's also yeah. some very hackneyed efforts to I don't know disguise how they look. During the first couple attacks on them when they're in the temple, uh, when they first arrive at the city, um, not the not the first expedition, but uh, Ross's expedition, mm-hmm. um, they get attacked by a couple of the gorillas, and the camera work and the editing is very weird, but also clearly they're trying to like make the gorillas look more mysterious and scary than they really are. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's because they recognize that they look like silly suits that people were wearing or if they were legitimately trying to up the scare factor on them. And either way, it failed. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the scene you're talking about where it goes into like a weird, blurry, slow yeah. motion thing for about 45 oh, seconds. Yeah. The, strobe, the strobe effect never looks good. The strobe effect. And I'm like, I never, for all the faults of this movie, the the, the puppets or the, the costumes or the suits weren't bad. No, not they really. fine. I was like, I bought, I bought it. You know, and I so to have that weird like slow down strobe effect scene in in the caverns was like. Yeah. I thought at various points Amy looked her looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that. Yeah. I, I think Amy looked great. really good overall. Frankly. Yeah. there's a couple of cases where like the movements didn't look right or whatever, and it's probably owing to it being a man in a suit. But uh, overall, it was quite believable. Yeah, yeah, I thought I it was great. Yeah, and I like the character of Amy despite the fact that she didn't have a whole a whole lot to do. Yeah. Because they changed the ending. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of unfortunate. Um, I honestly I liked all the characters. I have Why I have issues with Tim Curry. You... <laughs> well, Laura Linney's character and and Goofus McDouchey face or whatever is the curly haired dude. Like they're so boring. They're they're also kind of the main characters. I know, that's why that's my problem, is that they're so... here's, here's the thing. I and this this falls back into I think the first thirty and forty minutes of the movie is good and the rest of it kind of starts to unravel. I think that they're very likable and believable until we get to the jungle when they kind of just they they kind of fade into the background a little bit. And yeah. maybe that's because of the strength of Ernie Hudson, who is a gem in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to see all of the spin-offs with him in this character. The the cap the Captain Monroe cinematic universe. Yes, he'd be but, down for that. But 
in the first part of the movie, I thought that Ross and Elliot were actually quite good characters. And I especially liked during the, the buildup to the start of the expedition where Elliot is under the impression that it's his expedition and it slowly becomes more and more obvious to him that it's not and that he's just along for the ride. And that's such an enjoyable journey to follow with him where he's at first he's like, you no, I'm not taking you on my expedition. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well now you've co-financed the expedition. And then it's like, Oh, this is, this is really just your expedition. All these military guys we met, your people set us up with. Yeah. I I, I, like, like I'm kind of on the opposite uh, side of the fence of that because that whole that whole uh, bit didn't really work for me at all. I thought it was the, great. The, the airport bit? Or the, yeah, it just... I was really confused at that. Like, yeah, because she kind of just shows up and she's like, I'm coming with you. And like, and, and you're like, well, why would you let just some random stranger yeah. just come up on your on your boat or on your plane that's going to Africa? Like, I, like we watched that and afterwards, like, I, I, I was... Because I was watching with my wife and I was asking her about it. I'm like, did I miss something? Like, is it just like she just... Like she just literally just shows up at the airport. And she's like, "Well, but she needs a like a neck. She needs a plane to get to Zaire." And I'm like, "This is the only plane in the entire world." That's yeah, Zaire. that was like, that was. It was really like like it was just just like yeah, she just shows up at the airport. She, she's in clearly the got like a ton of money, and and they they make mention that like the gas to get there is going to be like fifteen thousand dollars. They were like, "Well, why don't you just if you have all the money in the world, just buy your own plane well, and fly yeah, over with the super rich company she's with, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the part I understand. It's like she's not doing anything illegal. She's not there under I mean, she's there under false pretenses with with uh the character yeah. Elliot, but generally speaking, like she's not doing anything untowards. So why why does she have to go yeah. in under the guise of releasing a talking yeah. gorilla yeah, back there's into There's no reason for the deception, which is yeah. Kind of yeah. Weird. That's, or that's, Tim that's, Curry's that's, deception for that matter. No. Well, and and th- I'm this is me pushing <laughs> my glasses up my nose in the book. <laughs> um, from the from the get go, it just is her expedition, and they invite okay. P- they they seek out and bring Peter Elliot and Amy into the expedition because of the region they're going into, and because they want to have the talking gorilla with them, yeah. so they can communicate with the wildlife because they know it's gorilla country, and the gorillas might be able to point them in the direction of the lost city. So yeah. it makes more sense yeah. for Peter and for Amy to be there. And it's just her expedition. You don't need to contrive a reason for her to take it over. But I thought it was a funny bit. (laughs) This may be a case where we can, where we could uh, genuinely say, if you want a fixed version of this movie, just read the book. Uh, And I hate to, I hate to boil it down to the book is better. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, it can just sometimes it's true. (laughs) I will, I will defend uh, Doctor Karen Ross a little bit though, just because. If you think about the genre that this movie is supposed to be saying, it is the jungle adventure. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the characters that are typically in the jungle adventure, you have the strapping adventurous hero, your yeah, Alan Indiana Jones. Yeah. And if you and your lead female character is typically your damsel in distress, uh, you know, getting captured by the tribes or sacrifice or the giant apes and stuff like that. Whereas Laurel, uh, Laura Linney's character uh, is Karen, none of that. Yeah, Ross is an ex CIA she badass. She's an ex CIA badass. She's like she's not wearing anything scantily or untoward. She's dressed head to toe in the same khakis as Ernie uh, Hudson wears. She's the one first person shooting flares at uh, the surface to air missiles. They're trying yeah. to take them down. She stands up to her boss she's, at the end. She sets up the the auto machine gun things. She. Lasers the apes, yeah, and then yeah. the, the like, guy anything, is the bleeding yeah. heart. You know, yeah. you know, oh my, my precious animals. Yeah, yeah. if anything, Peter Elliot is her damsel in this. Yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I thought I thought it was yeah, like it was it was, and I think Laura, I thought Laura, they did a great job too. Yeah, yeah. 
So she is one of my keeps. Should we do keeps and cuts? I have. Can I tuck in two little nitpicky things? Absolutely. Uh, sure. This is, while this we're is, giving this notes. This is the forum for this yes. sort of thing. Uh, before we go keeps and cuts. So I did. I, I found that when he serves her, when, when Elliot serves Amy a martini, I'm like, well, you've lost all credibility as a scientist. <laughs> like, why are you serving her? alcohol as a like like i know it's like in the in the movie it's for a laugh like oh we got the puppet gorilla to drink a martini but i'm like you want me to believe you care about this creature and you're just like giving it martinis <laughs> like not even a can of beer like a, like you're fixing it a drink that it knows how to order <laughs> like you've done this multiple times i'm like i, I don't believe <laughs> makes you the, it makes amy relax <laughs> i think it was pretty yeah but but it, but it looks like they've done this before where i'm like are you just drinking and with this gorilla. they had to experiment to figure out which drink she likes the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She knew how to order it with two olives. Um, and then I also just found it very interesting <laughs> that they... it's a terrible person. <laughs> they really lampshade the, like, talking gorilla bit where it, within five minutes they mentioned Mr. Ed and Dr. Doolittle. And it was just very much like, yeah, it's a talking animal. I'm like, we get it. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. So, <laughs> like, I'm like, they, yeah, they just go like, yeah, Dr. Doolittle and also uh, Mr. Ed. We, uh, we, we get it. Um, oh, and then the, the monkey smokes at one point too. Yeah, she take, yeah. Take, takes a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what are you? Why are you giving this what talking else, girl of vices? What else, what else is Amy into that we don't know of? <laughs> Honestly, I think that it was an effort to humanize her a little bit. Yeah, so that the audience uh, empathized and sympathized with her a little more. Oh, the, the painting and the talking didn't do that. Apparently not. <laughs> so let's make her drink and smoke. The paintings yeah. weren't very good <laughs> because it's cute. She has vices. Yeah, yeah. she's like a little people. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps and cuts? Sure. Well, for me, keeps are uh, Ernie Hudson and, and Tim Curry. I mentioned that I wanted to keep him. I might have to fight for that pretty hard, I guess, <laughs> uh, from the sounds of it. Uh, Amy is good, too. Um, as far as cuts go, um, I... Is this where Greg cuts the main character again? <laughs> well, that will happen, sort of. But that's not until my changes. So, the... <laughs> <laughs> I have. It's, it's his mo at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, there's. Did anyone notice that, Like, okay, so that the hippo scene, right? They where they get attacked by hippos. At the end of that scene, there's another plane crash. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And what purpose did that plane crash serve? Does Did, anybody, isn't that where they, them, that's their exit. Yeah, didn't they get the balloon from that? Is that where the balloon came from? Yeah, that's from? where the balloon yeah, came, came from. Because okay. uh, I, I, you watch them run away from the lava and you're like, well, where the hell, where are they running to? Like, what if they, what, you know, they've still got another okay. four-day trek through so the jungle. If, so if they're going <laughs> to do that, at least, like, sh- at least show that the plane's got supplies or something like that in it. Because they just kind of walk by and we go like, oh, well, that sucks. Later. Oh, there's another plane crash. Yeah. Well, that's and the it, other expedition so that's as, as, Yeah. As an audience member, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Why uh, would you? That, I had that thought. I'm like, why wouldn't you go in and raid it for more flares yeah. Well, and stuff? yeah, because their, their fixer at the airport mentions that uh, they had they had a balloon waiting for them. And then they kind of poo-poo that, like, why are we going to need a balloon? So they didn't have one in their expedition. And then... They, they really should have maybe made a bigger deal about the fact that the second expedition that got shot down, the, the third expedition, actually, because it was the one being sent in to check for yeah. them, yeah. Uh, did, in fact, bring the balloon. Now they have the stupid balloon. And then later on, oh, the balloon pays off. Now we need to escape in the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> And hope that surface-to-air missiles don't shoot it down. Okay. Yeah, that was so my thought that's... with the balloon. Is I'm like, they're going to get shut down again. So maybe that's not necessarily a cut, but it would be a change. Or, I, I, or I... actually, even you could have had... That could have been the payoff for the colonel that they bribed. He could have come in and saved them with a helicopter or something. Yeah, or, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I, would, I would actually cut the laser plot completely. 
Um, Joe Don Baker, even though it's great that Mitchell is in this, I would, I would cut <laughs> <Mitchell>. him. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, I don't feel like it serves anything. Uh, and, and I think you can make this movie kind of a fun little Indiana Jones type adventure film and, uh, and lose a lot of the, the sciencey bits part. Of like the book. Yeah, there you go. Again, the telecom company isn't in the book. The laser is not in the book. Yeah. The like the laser actually confused me. Cause even again, like the, the whole point of it was kind of, Thinking about so, why is they why are they there for the laser and why is the laser the new big thing? Like, is it? Oh, is that's it, pretty well explained. It, they're they're the telecom company wants the newest latest tech. Yeah. Uh, to do that, they want to use like laser Wi-Fi or something. <laughs> um, and the <laughs> best way or to, something it's be real tough to outfit the world with laser Wi-Fi <laughs> when it seems to cut. Yeah, when it would well, like, no, but, but it's they, good enough to take down space satellites. Well, yeah, but that that's because they were using like uh, they were looking for a specific type of diamond to use as focusing for these lasers. That's why they were out in this area looking for these specific diamonds. The prototype that Bill or that sorry Bruce Campbell had just. With the with the diamond in it at close range is powerful enough to just cut through a tree, yeah, like a chainsaw, which was he was playing for laughs. Oh ho ho! But then that becomes the Chekhov's gun of the laser gun later on mm-hmm. when it's it's meant just for like laser communication, right? In theory, but it's clearly a weapon of mass destruction. But is in and, fact, but her dead, boss is basically a Bond supervillain, yes, yeah. yeah, who has made a deadly space laser. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of why I was confused because because like I was sort of like. I'm, trying to like connect it back to like the telecommunications so here's here's a funny little tidbit that i dug up and i had shared with you guys online last night um they had borrowed uh these large uncut gemstones from an actual diamond mine uh and tim curry's character is named after the diamond company herkimer yeah um because they were the only things that looked like large looked properly like large uncut diamonds to use on the set. So they had borrowed a bunch of these uh, from this diamond company, and one of them was the one that they were using as the prop for the for the one that they load into the laser, and that uh, Karen Ross then hucks out of the balloon. Fun fact, the one she hucked out of the balloon is gone. It was <laughs> lost forever, and they were never able to return a large industrial-grade uncut like quartz crystal <laughs> to Oops. to this diamond company because it was just lost in the jungle, <laughs> which is kind of a funny little production story. <laughs> That's funny. That's incredible. That's incredible that they would first of all that they would even bother to to get like a real yeah diamond. You wouldn't think that. Well, I guess maybe glass just doesn't look good enough, uh, or didn't look enough like what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. So. I guess this is in the age before um, digital touching up and, and making things look shinier and all that. The quick, a quick aside, if you want to be fast, I think it was an episode of Planet Money. It might have been 99%. No, I think it was 99% Invisible. They talk about printing fake money for movies and like the weird legalities of that, how you need the money to look good enough on screen to be believable as money, but yeah. you can't print fake money. And there's this weird – there's a whole uh, a prop production company in Hollywood who makes the most realistic, clearly fake money in all of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that definitely would be an art form. Yeah. yeah. So that's just fun. fun uh, I'm, I'm amused that there's a niche company who's just like, we just print fake money. Yeah. That's all we do. Yeah. We are the fake money guys. Fake money guys. Everybody who needs money comes to fake. us for their fake money. Yeah. Uh, any other keeps and cuts before we take the break? 
I would I would agree with uh, I would cut the whole telecom company. You can find better reasons for them to go into there because that that villain or not the villain, just the the guy who runs it was just a really unlikable character. Like he sm- he spazzes out and smashes the screen with a golf club, you know, for no reason. He's just being petty, he's and then intense. He's an intense, man. and then he's very clearly like, "I need you to go into the jungle to get the diamond." And she's like, "You mean to save your son and my husband?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That because if it's not a former fiance, former fiance, yeah. Um, also, fiance. it doesn't work as a payoff when he when he's clearly not interested in his son's life. If we knew that right from the beginning, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like he it, his motivations were clear, and the fact that she didn't yeah. know that, like you went. You know, you went on false pretenses. That's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if I just repeated what you said. No, no, I was agreeing. I'm just agreeing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree pretty much with everyone here as far as like their keeps. That's the one thing I would cut. Uh, and it kind of bugged me a little bit was Ernie Hudson's accent. Kind of sort of he had one. Did, did anyone think it. he was kind of sort of channeling Carrie he was? From the Princess Bride, a little bit. I didn't bit. know what he was channeling. I was trying to figure out if he'd speak, he'd say something, and I'd be, and I'd think, is that an accent? Is he trying to do an accent? It was just gravitas. It was just a tangible, palpable gravitas to okay? everything he said, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I, well, I, yeah. Like I loved it, loved it, the delivery, but at, at, at like the same time, I was sort of thinking, "Is this an accent? I can't quite tell." And it kind of it just it distracted me, I guess. From that was the only thing. I had a only pretty, thing I didn't like about it. I had a pretty good time with Tim Curry's accent at first. Yeah. It was, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Tim Curry's was great. It made a weird juxtaposition because Tim Curry's doing this really hammy accent, and then uh, you know, Ernie Hudson's like got this deep, like deep yeah. gravitas, awesome voice, Almost, and I'm like, well, it just. Uh, 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 Casablanca esque or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like a- yeah, I think we all agree that Ernie Hudson is a is a solid Treasure. keep in this movie. Yes, yeah. Yeah. but uh, I I still maintain that you could cut uh, you could cut Tim Curry, but I'm willing to keep him if you can find a better use for him. Oh, I can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about how we turn this into uh, into a better movie right after break. Hey friends, Yes Painting is a new kind of painting company, one that has changed and molded the traditional student painting model by training and employing Edmonton's youth experiencing difficult realities. Yes Painting provides high quality interior and exterior residential painting with the added benefit of supporting the youth empowerment and support services organization. Uh, Go to Yes Painting, Google that, and uh, check them out. gone through our keeps and cuts now we are going to do what no one has dared to do or want to dare to do we're going to make this a great movie we're going to take this from 23 percent on rotten tomatoes all the way up to 29 percent on rotten tomatoes does it uh, have 23 percent 23 percent on rotten tomatoes which it's i feel not that bad it feel it's, i feel it's a little low it's that's not, me yeah like it's <laughs> yeah i would agree that's it's i don't think it's, it's yeah not, we all we all exchanged some notes we all exchanged some notes after we had all watched the movie and the general yeah. consensus was it wasn't that bad yeah it's not it's not great but it's not 23 percent bad no i definitely agree with that yeah no yeah, I mean, I don't want to watch it again, but I didn't necessarily hate watching it completely. I feel I feel like I wouldn't watch it again, like I wouldn't pay to watch it again, but I feel like it'd be one of those, if it's like Sunday afternoon, it's minus 39 million outside, and it shows up on one of the TV channels, you're like, oh, Congo, eh, why not, eh. It's it's not so offensive that I will change the channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, if it was on, if it was on the airport or the airplane uh, TV thing, and there wasn't any other better movie, 
Yeah, maybe. Well, I was, I was saying this to Greg on the drive here. It was better than I, I expected it to be because I went into this sight unseen. I remember this coming out as a kid, and in my mind, I've walked around for 20 years assuming this was a movie that was a drama. I thought it was a horror movie. See, I always I assumed it was like a Jane Goodall drama, like not specifically oh, okay. Jane Goodall, but like yeah. some movie about a very like serious movie. Oh, about we gotta monkey. like oh the gorillas and eh, eh, eh. like that's what I assumed it was. And then when I was telling my buddy about it, he's like, oh, you gotta go watch Congo. Man, they laser the shit out of those gorillas. And I'm like, wait, what is this movie? <laughs> I remember Say seeing what? this movie in the theater. Because what? I had liked Jurassic Park, so of course when other Michael Crichton movies started coming out, I went and saw Sphere in the theater, and I went and saw Congo in the theater, and I was disappointed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is the first time I've watched the movie from beginning to end. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen bits and pieces of it, but all right, so uh, let's change some stuff. Let's change some stuff. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say I would not want to make this a musical. I think it's fine as it is. Uh, uh, podcast first for Colin. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't have a musical vibe to me. <laughs> I I mean, we opened the show with a with song. a great song. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. Great. that could I... be good good theme song. <laughs> my uh, my big change is gonna stick pretty close to what I think the theme of all of my commentary in this episode has been so far, and that would be uh, rewrite it so that it's closer to the book <laughs> because the book makes more narrative sense. Um, I would I would cut the telecoms company i would make it ross's expedition i would add back in the uh rival consortium and if you want to keep tim curry make him the head expedition guy from the rival consortium who's racing them sorry so instead of telecom companies they're now with like geological companies Is yeah that, they're, they're they're racing to find the diamonds and they're they it's a race to find the the, diamonds. it's a race to find the lost city and get and get control of those diamonds okay, okay. and then uh and then the consortium beats them there because they're delayed mm-hmm. And then, but they get massacred by the gorillas, and then cut the laser oh. and have Amy talk to the gorillas, and then the volcano erupts at the end. And that's just it's a it's a it's a more concise story that doesn't unravel at any point. And I think that that's honestly just the way that they should have gone in the first place. This is one of those cases where really the book was better than the movie, and it was because the changes the movie made were nonsensical in some cases um i realize this is sort of a question what was um uh oh, i forget that captain monroe's motive for helping them i forget was money dear boy money he's getting and paid. that ties into my one of the minor change i would make when she throws away the diamond at the end i'm like I get the symbolic gesture, but that's a really nice diamond. You could have bought your way out of Africa with that. Like, Here's the best part of what you just said. In the book, Captain Monroe does pocket some of those diamonds yeah. as they're leaving the city and sells them to, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Intel for use in microchips and makes a mint yeah. at the end of oh. the book. Could have given it to that guy for, you know, helping save their life. Like, there's no need to throw that away at the end. They could have found a use for it. Okay. Um. <laughs> That's one of my changes. I mean, I just effectively rewrote the whole movie right there. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the, that's my broad sweeping change. I think we can, I think we can tinker with it more. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't mind the uh, sort of like the, the two companies racing idea. Um, uh, one, one thing I did want to do um, was to get rid of Dylan Walsh's character um, uh, and kind of roll Laura Linney and Dylan Walsh together just to create one character who is uh, a, you know, a, um, 
don't know what's an what do you, what do you call an ape scientist? An apetologist? A primatologist? Primatologist? Yes, that makes more an sense. An apetologist. Um, I want to. I would like to center the movie around uh, Amy, so that the the first act is uh, Amy struggling with being in captivity, and there's some kind of authority figure who's threatening Laura Linney to remove her because she's not doing well. Uh, and Amy's kind of like a prized possession because uh, of her communication skills, I guess, right? Uh, and then, uh, Lenny believes Amy will die if she's still in captivity. And that's sort of like the impetus to return her back to the wild. So meanwhile, Tim Curry is sort of like been lurking around, uh, posing as uh, a kind of expert, uh, in sort of Lenny's inner circle. He's seen, you know, Amy's drawings and that's what makes him believe that, uh, Amy can lead him to the lost city of Zinge. Right. So then he kind of like concocts this whole expedition and convinces uh, Laura Lenny that they can take Amy to safety when really he wants Amy to lead him to Zinge. Yeah. Mm. Right. So then when when we get to he doesn't get revealed as the villain until the plane crashes. And, you know, uh, maybe the crew wants to go one way and he knows Zinge is another way. And that's when he decides, like, okay, I'm taking you hostage. And he you know, reveals himself as a villain, pulls a gun on him, whatever, and says, nope, we're, we're following Amy. She's leading me to Zinge. Uh, and then he does actually become the actual antagonist of the you film. Could, you could even have it go one step further and have him kidnap Amy. Sure. And yeah, then, and then Laura and then, Lenny's got to chase him And then down. Karen Ross, now Dr. Karen Ross, and uh, and Captain Monroe and their people have to are basically now chasing him down. Mm-hmm. Because they want or to get Amy back. Or that one of those, one of those um, uh, competing organizations could kidnap Amy at some point. Also true. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to at add... At no point though, was Amy ever a damsel... I might be wrong, but was she ever... Like, did they ever have to really. rescue her from no, danger? No, I don't think so. No. That, kept, there's your damsel in distress. Amy, Amy kept wandering off and just be like, where did Amy go? And, and then, then come then, back. Yeah, yeah, and, and then, then looking at butterflies and then coming back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was never in danger... In any danger specific to her that the humans weren't. That mm-hmm. There's your perfect damsel in distress. Well, you don't need, you don't need the competing consortium if you're just making... Tim Curry into the villain in this case. Yeah. yeah. So I would I would argue that that's that's fine. And I agree with getting rid of Peter Elliot under that circumstance or Karen Ross and just keeping it as Peter. But I I see the desire to keep it as Karen because then you have a primary female protagonist in the the plot. Um because that pairs down and this was this was actually a problem I didn't bring up. There were too many competing interests Mm -hmm. like everyone had an agenda in this movie but their agendas were all pointing in the same direction yeah they were in conflict with each other yeah so while everyone well everyone was everyone was working for selfish reasons they were all nothing was coming of it yeah and this way you number one you separate off the telecom company they're not in this anymore so you don't have to worry about that competing uh faction but you have, um, you have Ross with her desire to do well by Amy, and you have Herkimer and his desire to get to the Lost City, and you have Captain Monroe and his desire to just get paid and get everybody out alive. And, get, and for him to get out, too. Yeah, getting the, they're all the ones in conflict. And that keeps the plot down to a simple three motivations yeah. between our three main characters. So 
I kind of like the simplicity of that. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I still like the idea of having the competing consortium in there, but I think that you've made a very elegant yeah. solution to some of the some of the big problems with the plot. Thank you. Hats hats off to Greg. <laughs> yeah. Colin, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I like all of your stuff. I, I think I would have liked to have seen um, uh, just a little more, I guess, conflict within the group as is. Yeah. So uh, so even just as we're kind of chatting, thinking about it, like, you know, having, you know, like, you know, like, you know, Monroe, Monroe's a great character, everyone love him. But yeah, he like his, his, his motivation should be, I'm going to get you where you do it. And then I am getting out of here. Like he see he he seems to really he's 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 friendly but also like a little overly friendly where he's just sort of like he's all he's on board and obviously he's being paid to take them to a place but I feel like there's not much for him that like he 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 seems like he cares about everyone's little uh little uh, quest to get to where they need to go but he's also but like he's not I would have liked him been a little more selfish just be like yeah. okay well, I'm I'm getting here then I'm getting out and. If I can propose something for sure. for him to further his motivation, um, make it more clear that the team that they're working with is very much his team. Yes, like this is his; these are his guys. Yeah, and seeing as they're red shirt cannon fodder, like he's getting more and more aggravated with this expedition going off the rails as more of his people end up getting eaten by hippos and beaten to death by gorillas. <laughs> yeah, and so that that <clears throat> sets up a conflict for him where at one point he's like, "I'm pulling the plug." Yeah. Like this is too dangerous. I'm losing good people who I've worked with for years for yeah. your stupid gorilla and your stupid city and you can all just take a hike. We're out of here. Yeah. And then like have him realize that that's have him have the personal moment to realize I've done a terrible thing and go back to to rescue them. Yeah. Um maybe even by himself yeah. just because like I'm not willing to put my men in danger, but I, I'm not going to leave you stranded in the jungle. Yeah. And he comes back. That would be a nice heroic moment for him, too. Yeah, that yeah. gives him an arc, which is good. Yeah. Um, one of the things I struggled with uh, with this movie, because like I was trying to think of uh, a way of taking that central theme that this movie has, which is sort of like uh, a man meddling in God's domain, and implemented it into, uh, into my change. Um but I didn't quite get there. Like the, like the, like I feel like there's there, you know, there's something that can be done with the the uh, the villain apes to sort of create uh, some sort of theme there. But I'm just like I'm uh, I'm I've kind of I kind of lost the thread there a little bit. So just my my fixes kind of read just as like a straight action movie, but maybe not not something that has extra depth to it. I feel like. Well, I still I think that you can uh, rescue the finale by, again, tying a little bit more of the book into it. Because we don't have a laser gun battle at the end of this one because we mm-hmm. don't have the telecom company. Mm-hmm. So, And unfortunately, we don't have Bruce Campbell now that I realize that we've just cut him from the movie. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but you do have, um, like, Tim Curry gets to Zinge and gets beaten to death by gorillas, obviously, because that's his comeuppance. Yeah. Um, but then just when it looks like Monroe and Ross and whoever else are going to be still there at that point... Are, are doomed, um, that's when Amy steps up and uses her much-vaunted communication skills to communicate with the evil gorillas yeah. mm-hmm. and get them to back off and give them the opportunity they need to escape before the volcano erupts. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you'd still have to have the volcanic activity there because you need to have them escape from the volcano at the end still. Yeah, yeah. That part did look pretty cool. 
Well, and this and the lost city needs to remain lost. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of part of the shtick with the jungle yeah. adventure, right? So. It would it would kind of be fun if like the you know if uh, if throughout the movie you know they're they're trying to sort of like punch their way out of out of a lot of jams and stuff like that, and then at the end the twist is that. If just they, communicating with yeah, them. Yeah, communication was what it was what saved them. And that's and that's actually a more powerful mm-hmm. thematic arc there too yeah. because Monroe's solution to every problem is I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. And then finally at the end Amy's like, "Hey, evil gorillas, go away." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, sure. Whatever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. like, "Why didn't you say something in the first place?" Yeah. If I could propose maybe just a slightly different ending, though, I mean, this all sounds nice. We're making this really, really. Is it great. a musical number? Uh, not a musical <laughs> number, but I, but I say if you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna go crazy off the rails at the end with lasers and, and apes, uh, I say just, just it's. I think it's at an eight right now. I think you turn it all the way to a ten by having Amy show up with the laser. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts mowing down just apes and Here's people. And, you know, you and she just signs. Say signs hello like, to my little friend. <laughs> here's, thank you. Thank here's, you, Liam. Here's another little bit of uh, fun trivia. This movie has a serious Mandela effect thing going on with it. Um, in that there are a lot of people who remember the movie Congo having a scene where Amy shows up with the laser gun and shoots the other apes. What? Which is obviously not in the version any of us saw. Yeah. Um, it's totally a Berenstein, Bernstein, uh, Bears thing where some people just re- remember the movie wrong. But here's the weird twist to that. The filmmakers have never gone on record saying that scene doesn't exist. Oh, oh wow. There so there go. might be an earlier cut of the movie where that does happen this? and it's just not available <laughs> anymore. So, <laughs> this is what I want to see. This is the post-credit scene I want to see. Perhaps uh, it was uh, it was tested with uh, with audiences and, and it scored poorly. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, "All right, well, we'll bury that." Well, we love the laser, but it's just not believable that the monkey would, would use yeah, the yeah. laser. Um, yeah, my uh, my changes were just pretty. I, I like the idea of having um, conflict, like having a Wayne Knight type character, a Newman type character who wants to steal the eggs and yeah. bungles it. One person who goes and is exceptionally selfish. I don't even care who. Just one person who's selfish, selfish hubris jeopardizes them at one point because yeah, it was never really I was that thinking kind of about thing. having like Tim Curry, like um, maybe one of Laura Linney's assistants, sort of like is kind of seduced by Tim Curry's greed along the way. And he like, he kind of uh, becomes, you know, they start pairing off into like good guy group, bad guy groups where mm-hmm. there's like some people want to find the, the city and get all the diamonds. And then there's these other ones that are like, no, this is dangerous. We're being hunted by apes. We have to leave now. And if we're going to survive kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, Tim Curry needs some henchmen. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cause he can't yeah. just, he can't just kidnap Amy by himself. Yeah. Um, and there needs to be, I, I agree that, uh, Karen Ross, Dr. Karen Ross needs to have some assistance because it can't just be her and Monroe going after Amy at the end. Yeah. If Monroe leaves the rest of his team behind. So yeah. there's definitely some some more red shirts along the way. And then uh yeah, my other one is just like like I said earlier on, just foreshadow the danger better. Like even if they changed we made none of the changes you guys were talking about. I would have just liked it if like they had been like, 
oh man, we're going into hippo country. Yeah. And then when the hippos show up, you're like, well, they told us we're going into hippo country. Well, yeah, uh, and that, and that, as mentioned before, ties into an opportunity for more character development yeah. too, because you could have Ross inquire after like, why are hippos so dangerous? And have Monroe be like, you might know monkeys, but clearly you don't know anything else about any of the other animals here because hippos are very dangerous. And, yeah. Yeah. Or the, you know, even the, the white apes, like you, one of them flashes in front of the camera and then kills Bruce Campbell. And then we hear nothing about them for an hour. Yeah. And then they get there and like, oh, the thing that killed Bruce Campbell in the beginning was an army of white apes. Like, they could have maybe tussled with them at the beginning of Act 2, or they could have seen one of their, or like a, like a, 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 a silverback gorilla's corpse be like, who would have killed this alpha silverback gorilla? There's white hair on it. Like, or just something yeah. to be like, here's, yeah. here's a further weird thing that I just realized. Uh, Karen Ross in the movie as a, in the extant movie, um, sees flashes of a giant, like gray gorilla and, and a field full of murdered people and never once thinks to bring that up to the people she's on an expedition. (laughs) It is never mentioned to Captain Monroe, who is leading the expedition. It's never mentioned to Peter, who's an expert on monkeys. They only dance around the killer ape thing. And she never (laughs) mentions that she saw killer apes on TV Uh, murdering people. (laughs) And to that thing, one of the things that bugged me, (laughs) I can't believe everything you see on TV. (laughs) BTW, guys. Uh, There might be some apes around. Yeah, yeah, and they the, might have killed some people. The other thing that bugged me too is like that early the, the thing that takes Bruce Campbell early on. You could be like, oh, it's one ape, it's one great white ape that guards this lost city. And they, then the, you, and then so when we get there, I'm like, I was expecting one. Oh, it's an army. Yeah, well, it's like tease me that it might be an army. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, don't know. The, I suppose the one flaw with this is that if Ross is not going in after another expedition, if she's just there to release Amy. Nobody knows about the killer apes before they get to the lost city. Maybe Herkimer does, um, but would he reveal that, or does he even believe it? Because I mean, he believes in the city, and he's trying yeah. to get Amy to lead him there. Yeah. So I don't know. I you, you'd have to find a different way to foreshadow them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I started mine with like, if we make no other changes, it was the same movie we watched. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even even just this movie as is with a bit more setup and payoff, yeah. you know, it would uh, it would at least read a little bit better. Mm. There's a lot of things that kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, like hippos. Yeah, literally just like oh hippos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the hippos are in the trailer too, so you may, may, they make so it makes it think like there's they're a big part of the movie, and it's just to the point where even like something's what? bubbling under the water, and I'm like, is this an alligator? Is this piranhas? Is it? I'm like, it could be literally any yeah. seafaring jungle creature. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> a seafaring jungle seafaring. Creature. You know what I mean. <laughs> water, jungle, water, jungle water, water dwelling is what the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, we also always like hearing uh, what uh, you guys have to say, and you can get in on the note having. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we'll let you know the movie is coming out, or you can even request movies, just like we did here with Congo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did get some good comments uh, on this one. Uh, Aaron mentioned uh, Congo seems insulting somehow, since they clearly don't give a crap about the country. Laser apes seems way more appropriate. I would agree with that. Uh, Nathan mentions I would watch laser apes. <laughs> part of a little tw- uh, Twitter thread. Uh, Morgan says I remember being really excited that Bruce Campbell was in it, only to have him killed off in the first ten minutes. Uh, to be fair, we don't know that he's dead in which, the first ten minutes, which is somehow more maddening. Uh, f- a quick no, but uh, Bruce Campbell, he did something I don't think we see enough of in a movie. So he, so while he's waiting for his buddy to get his backpack. 
and he goes, sits down, and I think he's just going to bring out a pack of smokes. He brings out a chocolate bar. Just starts nibbling on it in the jungle. Like, we need to see that more in movies. Just people just random eating candy, eating eating Reese's Pieces filled Dude. with other Reese's Pieces. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell had actually uh, auditioned for the role of Peter Elliott for oh. this movie uh, oh, yeah. and did not get that part, And uh, but they liked him in the audition, oh. and so they cast him in the role that uh, he had. That's a shame because I think it would have made it like a five times better movie if he was yeah. Elliott. Agreed. I mean, Agreed. Yeah. Also, I kind of, uh, I kind of think that there's, there's kind of the uh, uh, Army of Darkness reference in this movie. If you think about just seeing uh, Bruce Campbell's rotting corpse on yeah, the ground, I suppose. <laughs> he's bad ash. Mm. No. Well, look at that. Uh, Jeff says, "I'm almost certain I've seen this, and I read the book while on a Crichton kick, but it has apparently left zero impression with me. So at least I can't zing it." So there you go. It it left it's... no cultural impression. <laughs> and uh, Alan from the PS2J uh, show says, that movie completely missed my radar, but a non-zero amount of lasers is always a good thing. Um, Yeah. No, lasers can be a bad thing sometimes. Yeah, it was really sad watching those. Because, <laughs> like, they're not, you don't dislike them enough to want to see yeah. a laser, a, a, Gorilla get shot. But now, laser. but now the laser perimeter when they had like the auto machine guns was that looked cool. Though. That looked good. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, so weird. It, well, it was weird. Just like oh, here's definitely there. invoking aliens. Yeah. There. All of a sudden, there's like four kill streaks from Call of Duty. Just like set yeah. up around. The- yeah. Where where were these before? <laughs> Why don't they? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, there you go. I think we've done a pretty good job. Yep. Twenty nine percent easy rotten tomato. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, Liam. Thank you for being with us on the show. Thank you for uh, what, having me. Uh, what, where can people find you? What uh, what, uh, what 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 people want to watch? Oh, uh, I uh, for for Edmonton listeners, I would recommend uh, checking out thedebutantes.ca. I'm uh, I'm in a sketch comedy group. We have videos up on our website and information on the biweekly sketch show we run called Odd Wednesday uh, at the Sewing Machine Factory just down White. Uh, so if you like uh, sketch comedy and you live in Edmonton, I encourage you to join us every other Wednesday. Uh, or if you like improv comedy. Uh, there is a new theater that opened up called the Grindstone Comedy Theater, uh, just south of White Ave, uh, 81st and behind that A&W. Uh, <laughs> I forget the street. Uh, and uh, that's a, just a fantastic new theater. There's all sorts of great things happening there all the time. But you can catch my improv company, Sorry Not Sorry, there every Saturday at 7. Cool. And if you're not from Edmonton, uh, you should come to Edmonton mm-hmm. and go uh, check out Liam. Or just follow me at Liam Kreswick. There Twitter. you go. There you go. Scott. I have another podcast. It is called... The Read Along. It is a mini book club for your ears. Uh, my darling wife, Anita, and I, uh, we review a book one chapter at a time. And uh, you can follow along with our reading. Uh, we are currently reading Artemis by Andy Weir. He is the guy who wrote The Martian. It's his second novel. It's pretty good so far. Uh, you should check that out. And I might have other podcast projects mm. in the pipe. Teasers. <laughs> Much like hippos in water. Indeed. There is. There are other podcasts bubbling beneath <laughs> the surface, ready to roar into life. They, they could be piranhas. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can find uh, everything you need to know about uh, this wonderful little podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, just look for I have some notes. Uh, if you like the show, please consider rate and reviewing it on iTunes. It really helps us out. Uh, and uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of this episode. Other episodes. Suggest movies to us. 
Uh, we, we like to, we like to hear what you people want to think. So yeah, let us know. Um, uh, recently friends, we said goodbye to the, uh, expats podcast, which is a, uh, wonderful, entertaining show about Canadians living abroad. Uh, friend of the friend of this podcast, Adam Rosenhart, uh, recorded his last episode after a three year run. Uh, we encourage you to go to listen to the finale and also check out the whole back catalog. It's a really, really neat little podcast. The episode is about 20 minutes, half an hour each, each episode. Uh, was a big fan, I was a big fan of it as well. So uh, check that out. Part of the it was part of the Alberta Podcast Network, uh, and uh, it's uh, but there was also lots of podcasts with the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, so go check out check out uh, go check out all of them, every single one. Uh, you can find our show and others uh, broadcast on G Radio. You can find that at gradio.ca, and you can find everything that the Alberta Podcast Network does on the CKOA Radio app. Uh, including even CKUA. Uh, and you can download that on the Apple App Store for your Apple phone or your basket of apples. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, maybe we can make it like a... Should we do like a... Instead of a standard musical, like a hip-hop musical? Congo hip-hop musical? Okay. Would that work? Would that work for people? I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. End the show with a Congo rap, Colin. Can't do it. <laughs> it's too late at night. I'm not going to waste my shot with a laser gun. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Believe it or not, you gotta keep watching those guys. For laser satellites. Laser satellites.